No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, a podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I'm John Toyson, I'm your host, and with me today on the show is my good friend Annie, here to talk about uh, a number of different things, but uh, I pick her brain about her her devotion to running and her experiences as a marathon runner, uh, her deep-seated love for The Simpsons and how that shaped her worldview, because that's something I'm certainly a kindred spirit for. Um, I also spend uh, quite a bit of time talking with her about something that we were searching for the term for at the end of the episode, or towards the end of the episode, and it. Uh, she texted me later after we recorded this saying, dying with dignity. That's what I was trying to say, dying with dignity. So you can hear us uh, grappling, grappling for that term in uh, the conversation, and that's what we were searching for. But really just a, a great conversation that helps me understand what leads people to certain decisions about it and how that's informed her understanding of family and uh, her own life and how she approaches it. So it's just a really great conversation. really enjoyed it. As always, thank you so much for listening. It just means so much that anybody would ever sit down and listen to this while they're doing their daily life of either driving somewhere, working in an office, going about their day. Just it, the idea that somebody would listen to this at all, I'm just so grateful. So thank you for doing so. And uh, as always, sit back and enjoy. now yes so what's the one thing you said you wanted to do when this started (laughs) (laughs) do you feel better That was like Tourette's just waiting to come out. And now that you've done that, do you have anything to say? (laughs) Or you feel better? Uh, I just, I mean, check that off the bucket list. Can you bring this just a little bit closer? (laughs) Do you need me to do it again? Just kidding. No, you're good. Okay. Okay. So, no, we're we're rolling. I'm going to leave that in. Oh, perfect. Uh, So with me, I have Annie. Say hi, Annie. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Like when I ask my daughter to say hi to any particular stranger, just... Yes. Hello. Uh, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. If I were to ask somebody, who's Annie, what would they say? Uh, it depends on who you ask, but I would think that they would say she is a funny, free-spirited girl who enjoys a nice run. And <laughs> loves her children and uh, used to live out east and came back home. Okay. So you were born and raised here in Minnesota. Yes, in Hopkins. Hopkins, another one of the Hopkins alumni that mm-hmm. we've had on. And you went out east. Yes. How many years were you out in Baston? Uh, ten. Ten years, a yeah. whole decade. Yep, so four in New Hampshire, and then six in Boston and the surrounding area. Was it any kind of culture shock going out there and realizing Minnesotans are a very particular breed? Yes. How so? 
Um, when I went out there, I, uh, and, and, you know, maybe it was also somewhat of a college, like going into college as well. Yeah. Cause any, anywhere is going to be culture shock. of just, yeah. oh shit, I've got to do my own laundry. Yeah. But when I, when I showed up, I think I thought that I would have a big group of friends right away and, you know, I would just, uh, fit right in right away and um i would have no trouble making friends and i would find hobbies or clubs or something and just go on with my life none of that none of that like showed up um got in a relationship with someone quite quick that i mean i don't know taught me a lot but it just he wasn't even in college anymore so like okay so that kind of pulled me away from everyone who was meeting friends yeah. And then, I don't know. It just, like, you know, I, I met a couple people around my dorm, but I was in a forced triple. And being from Minnesota, I had, like, you know, five bags of stuff. <laughs> and everybody else. My other two roommates came in with, like, a suitcase. And that so, was you it. know, And they could switch out for winter or summer clothes or whatever. Oh, yeah, And I had local. everything. And so um, I eventually moved out of that room into another room. So I just moved around a lot and I didn't make deep lasting relationships. So that was hard my fr- my freshman year. And then junior year got better, but it really got I think the best when I moved out of the dorms and then do a house. I don't know, just a dorm living in like a hamster cage. Dorms, yeah, it's It was really depressing and concrete and it wasn't anything that I mean like Midwest you grow up and you're I don't know. For me my experience was, you know, big open spaces and plenty of room and that's not true in dorm life. Literally and concrete, like you said. It's just, it's so sterile and such a weird bummer of everybody lives in this zoo-like yeah. building. It just yeah. feels, yeah, it was miserable yeah. for me. Yeah. And you will, I don't know how girls' dorms were, but guys with the showers, it was just like, oh, God. <laughs> like, it was, oh, yeah, it was awful. I was just, like, everything about it didn't feel great. Mm-hmm. And so until I got my own place... Um, when we started renting an apartment, then it felt a little bit more healthy. Yeah, you've got your own little corner of the world that you can yeah. just put just so and put this like this, and you've got some privacy. And like, yeah. there are people who are definitely energized by the dorms, and it's just like, oh god, that's it's like a personality test. Like if you love this, let them go do this, but like <laughs> just let people like us go have a private place to go and be quiet and alone. Like finding your own private bathroom the first year, like okay, on the library in the fourth floor nobody goes up here so i know i've got a clean isolated Mm -hmm. single person stall that i can just (laughs) i'm good perfect i had my priorities i was barely passing but hey i found the right place to go (laughs) the things we learn yes so you were and actually to put some context to it i mentioned i was a smoker and you didn't know that i think for the entire time that you would have lived on the east coast that was the period in my life that i was a smoker Hmm. so like that same epoch for you that is the time where I had an oral fixation and something to do with my hands and just like I need to because I probably quit around the time you came back maybe a little earlier though because EB and I moved in together in man 2007 I think because I would not she would not move in with me if I was smoking and really? I remember being in the apartment together and seeing Obama get elected, so that means that was 2008, so yeah, so I, and I knew I had to quit eventually, but it was just like, 
when I'm going to work up the muster to do it. Was that hard for you? Not really, only in that I knew it was not going to be fun. So planning up to it, there's, you know, you cut back a bunch and then um, just get gum in the patch. And it's just kind of, what I found out recently is that nicotine cravings only last about three minutes. Like an actual craving for it is only about three minutes long. So if you can just make it through that, I don't mean to disparage people who can't quit smoking or struggle with it, but like I have strong enough willpower that it was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm just not going to do this anymore. And like I said earlier, if it's like a month out, your sense of taste just dramatically improves your sense of smell. And then you smell it on somebody else and you're like, oh my God, that stinks. Like it's not anything I'm proud of, but like I miss having an oral fixation of like mm-hmm. anything to do at parties where it was just like to go outside and just get away and like yeah. do a thing. It was just the ritual of it was really good. But um, that felt late to me and even in like modern smoking culture like we grew up going to restaurants where they would ask do you want to go smoking or not yeah um i remember planes when i was a little kid flying on planes and they had ashtrays in the seats but even when i quit i felt like i was one of the last people to be a smoker but then i still see people now like we have a mutual friend who picked up smoking at like 30 and i was like what are you doing how do you not know he's like yeah i just wanted to start like why you've made it this far why would you pick that up now there are many other anyway yeah but uh so you were living on the east coast dealing with east coast people yes you met your eventual husband there you guys got together and then you came back here to minnesota you were not engaged when you came back here right correct so then when he came back here the two of you got engaged here and then have planted some roots you got married you have careers and a dog and two wonderful children and now you are living here as a successful career adult mm-hmm. parent in the Minneapolis area that is correct all okay. of the above okay <laughs> i think you are one of the only people i've ever known to run a marathon let alone it was the boston marathon right no it was the chicago marathon. chicago marathon yeah okay yep we'll get out yeah you can leave. <laughs> stairs are right there <laughs> yeah yeah that training was one of the most oddly enough which probably defines me as a true runner like the best time that i've ever had just like endorphin rush yeah. every well, single time. Well, I mean, time. talk about like you and smoking and like, you know, just having that habit. And like you not, I wouldn't say that I was addicted to it, but it was just a nice time to get away. And it was my time and it was a thing that I like to do. And Were you listening to anything when you were running or was it just silence? No, I listened to whatever I had downloaded on my iPod, but it wasn't anything like, it was, it was just music. Okay. And actually... Um, I would take my runs um, before work or really early, like starting at 545 in the morning okay. um, on the weekends, and I would listen to classical music. Very refined. Mm-hmm. What but started that? I don't know. It was relaxing, and it helped me relax from my runs. Like at 545 and you're turning on like ludicrous. Like I don't know. Yeah. There's something to say. Like it was just relaxing, and the sun's coming up, and it almost started like, you know, you're not doing like a – the seven-minute mile pace, you're just coasting along trying to get your your long run in, and it was really relaxing. Yeah, that's what people who don't enjoy the act of running never seem to understand that there's a real meditative, mm-hmm. contemplative aspect to it, that you're alone with your thoughts doing a very repetitive aspect or repetitive act 
over and over again mm-hmm. and you just get bored yeah. <laughs> you don't have something to help you kind of hone your thoughts mm-hmm. and I know I would sometimes go with like really intense music to get myself going like after work if I was exhausted but yeah those early morning runs it's they're very it's dark out and you're alone with your thoughts and it's very and then you have the whole runner's high from it you have your body kind of rewarding you for doing it were you first of all this was this was ballpark like what 2006 ish mm, it was so the marathon i ran was on 10 10 10 oh that's right that's right okay because i remember evie had like a text thing where she got notifications when you would like Aww. pass certain markers yeah so this was 10 10 10 so you would have had some kind of not during the marathon, but I'm guessing your iPod was either some gigantic brick or a little tiny. Yes, it was a clip-on um, little that square. I wore. I yeah, it was a little square that I ran for in the marathon. But the marathon was so fun, I just took it off and listened to the crowd. I couldn't even imagine. And then, like when it got slow at some ports, I'd put it on. But like it was too fun to hear everybody. That's very cool. So mm-hmm. people are like actively talking to strangers and stuff. Oh and, yeah, like... I talked so. Um, Long story short, I got injured. I decided I just wanted to run it to run it and see what happens. So at part, I uh, around mile 14, I just slowly went into like a slow jog to like a fast walk and then eventually like a walk. And I met a woman who sold fire engines. Okay. And she and I talked for like two miles. And then I talked to a husband-wife combo and the wife, like her legs kept cramping up. And like you just, I don't know, it was kind of fun to see what was going on in people's lives and i don't know that is a whole aspect to it i never considered yeah never would have thought that. and then like someone passed me dressed as an eiffel tower with legit like wire (laughs) (laughs) wire like um i don't know tubing that went up like a triangle and it and he ran like that the entire thing do you think he practiced like that too he must i mean i don't know how you wouldn't or like he's He's on a treadmill (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's just like, all right, I've got to make sure the aerodynamics of this work out yeah. properly. If, I've, if my arms start to jostle too much, do the lights yeah. come off of the top part? Yeah, well, and that's when I knew it was bad because he passed me. So. Yeah, generally, if the, it's not just like, oh, he's wearing a, a costume of like a like a you know bodysuit or something. Like yeah. he's got a full on like dressed like a fucking robot for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Just gigantic wire thing. Like he's going faster than me. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you got injured. That's got to be the most frustrating because yeah. I know. I was definitely hooked on running, like, as a replacement for smoking. Like, as soon as I stopped smoking and picked up running, is like, I wanted to, like, all right, I know I don't want to be in the worst shape possible already at, like, 24. I want to, like, crawl back from feeling like shit all the time. And to do so, started running, and then that quickly got its hooks into me and got so obsessed with it that I would, I don't ever remember doing this, but Evie tells me definitely that I was going for it at least twice a day runs like Mm. before and after work and I never did any kind of official race and it got to the point though that if I try to do it now I'm good for maybe maybe two miles and then my right knee just locks up yep it's just it's um uh I the iliotibial band yep the thing that snaps over so that and no matter how much stretching or whatever I do I can't the level of therapy it would take to get functioning back up to run as much as I would love to it's like I'm not a professional runner I'm not going to get endorsed by anybody to take that level of it what if you don't mind my asking how did your body fail you when you were how did it fail yeah what happened so 
I actually invested a lot of time and money trying to figure out why it failed. Really? After the I, fact? Mm-hmm. I went to several doctors, um, several different PT. They would all refer me to PT. I'd do all the same stretches. Um, and I eventually went, my sister-in-law, um, she is a massage therapist, and she had me go to a friend of hers. So I went to him, Ari, and um, he was... Uh, I don't know how, but he was hooked up with a guy specifically who worked on, um, like, uh, Tom Brady, did Tom Brady surgery. So it was like a sports medicine guy. Yes. And Somebody I been, with a notable career who... Yes. Okay. Yes. And I had been seeing, like, good, I would say good doctors, but none, none of them were, like, specialized enough to have... When your voice know. goes up that high, I'm immediately questioning their skill level. They're good. They're, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's... Who's the code? But, uh... <laughs> who's the who's the skeptical doctor from The Simpsons? Uh, Doctor Nick. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, your leg has got to go. <laughs> yeah, fully. And for the re- I want to absolutely touch on Annie's deep rooted love of The Simpsons, which is a whole separate wormhole to go down. Yes. So you're seeing you were initially yes. seeing Doctor so, Nick. You yes. wanted to see Doctor. So Kibber. yep. So I went to go see, and I'm totally blanking on his name because that whole part of my life is kind of past me now. But he, the first thing he did was um, took an x-ray of my bad knee in like three different positions. And um, half an hour later, I met with him and he put them on the wall. And he showed me that like my bones were shaped in such a way that they had pockets where uh, fluid was building up. And that fluid was pushing on my kneecap. And he basically, in a very simple way just said it's the way you were born you're always going to have this pain you're always going to have fluid that's built in here and it's always going to push he said i can go in there and try to release it but there's a third it's going to stay the same it's a third it's going to get worse it's a third um it could get better but it was so nice to have that picture because he was like this is it's just who you are it's in your makeup and that to me was like it just knowing i think is half the battle so for me once once i saw that um i well he gave me a cortisone shot which <laughs> it, honestly that didn't do much either mm. um i think it was just too little too late i had too much scar tissue um in my knee and too much fluid built up already mm-hmm. so so um, i think eventually i'd like to get back into 10 mile runs okay like races that are 10 or half marathon even i know there's a lot of 10 mile or half marathons but I think I'll never be able to do 26. That sucks, and I'm sorry. But, like, I do know that you're still running a bit, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, do, you do still get out and pound the trails. Because you lived not too far from here, and now you've moved closer. So, hi, neighbor. Yes. But um, the good thing about both where you lived and where you now live, there are amazing trails all around this I area know. that are just gorgeous. That even just for a couple of miles, I mean, they're good for walking, too. Put your kids mm-hmm. in a stroller and go. But mm-hmm. you're able to still get out a little bit. Yes, and I hope too much more once the summer comes and so. Now, before I dive into Simpsons, which I still intend to, (laughs) were you, because this will be germane to the conversation later on, Mm -hmm. were you raised religiously? Because I remember going to your wedding Mm -hmm. and it didn't seem like it had any particularly heavy religious angle to it, but it was in a church. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious choice to have it, or was it more so like, we like this location, we want to That was this. all about appeasing the mother. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm fine. I grew up going to church. I grew up, um, uh, 
I don't know, with prayer and all of the, all of that. And I even attended Bible study, you know, on my own. But there's parts of it I I believe in. There's parts that I don't. Um, but I've got a healthy dose of skepticism just about life in general. And I always think there's two sides to every story. And it's hard for me unless I see something um, to believe anything. Okay. I don't know. But yes, I grew up doing all of that, but none of it was by choice. It was all because I was forced to. And I can't say that I hated all of it because I did choose to like continue Bible study after. Um, but yeah. I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. Like in the f- 10, 15 years that we've known each other, I don't think it's ever come up and not for lack of trying, but there's just, it's it's not something that comes up like at a pleasant conversation just around a party of like, hey, by the way, were you raised Catholic? You know, like, yeah. I'm, it, but it, it's such a fundamental shaping of your life mm-hmm. that basically your parents just kind of hand you like, here's these set of rules that we want you to be worried right. about for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. just absorb what you can, whatever doesn't bounce off, you know. So it sounds like there were some things that definitely took root. Mm-hmm. I would say generally from how I know you, you try to be a good person and try to treat others with respect. You do like kind of a weird joke occasionally, though. Like you have <laughs> your sense of humor is one that I feel a good kinship towards. Like, I don't think anybody's going to get this joke, but I bet if I just leaned over to Annie and said, by the way, I think that guy's going to die in about 10 minutes. Like you're like the one that is going to laugh. That is true. That is very true. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll tell a good joke. To me, it's really good, and then I'll laugh at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Laughing at your own jokes is the yeah. best. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, yep. That's pretty good. So, that, gets, that deserves mm-hmm. more. You should laugh harder at that. Yeah. Okay. But it also grew up like at 530 on the dot every day, Simpsons. Right. So that's where your your ritual, your routine came up. That, that was my religion, mm-hmm. The Simpsons, Homer. To Yeah, there was this sweet spot where you know it's on it was was it thursday nights originally that it was on but then it went to sunday nights and like if you the new ones yeah the new ones would be seven o'clock on sunday nights and if you missed that it was just like yeah there's nothing now for the rest of the week and then syndication came along and it was just oh my god every day Mm -hmm. every day there's an episode of the simpsons Mm -hmm. there's two back to back that i can just now and five and five thirty for me at least here and we would have been really young when this came out like this was not we were not teenagers watching the simpsons we were definitely like 10 years old as kids oh for sure i remember trick-or-treating and coming home and watching like the true ho- tree house of terror and like counting my reese's mm-hmm. that is evie and i 100 percent every halloween that is like the memory that we talk about is like yeah you would go do that and then you'd come home and then your favorite show was doing a halloween episode that was just a little bit scary and mm-hmm. like that those things are so indelibly tied that I'm going to screw up my own child as soon as she's just old enough to get it. I'm going to show her this and she's going to be traumatized. <laughs> like, I'm going to feel bad, but not that much. Mm, we all went through it. Okay. So <laughs> from, I'm guessing, The Simpsons, you got that sense of skepticism. You, because The Simpsons pulled no punches with religion. They were you know, very free to criticize whatever they did. Did that help you get a sense of like, I think this might be bullshit, or was it like? I mean, it didn't. It didn't help. <laughs> like, it didn't help me think that it like yeah. believe more, more. But um, no, I just never really liked going to church. Like the whole going because we had to dress up. 
Yep. And it was the whole, like, so first things first, like, I was the biggest tomboy. So if you had to put me in a dress, <laughs> like, just not going to have it. It could have been to an ice cream store, and I would have been like, no, I will not wear this dress with tights. Like, get out. Knowing you now, but never knowing you as a kid, I would not have guessed. But, yeah, I guess I could see that now that you would have been tomboy for sure. Yeah. Oh, just I couldn't do it. So, I like, it got to the point where I would pretend to be asleep. My mom would, like, try to get me, and I would close my eyes. Like, because you didn't have, what did I have, like, a Walkman at the time? Like, I didn't have a phone to play on or anything, you know? Like, I would just sit there and, like, listen to music and be like, oh, she's coming, and, like, take it off and hide it and pretend Uh, to go to bed. Oh, you had the Walkman with you in bed? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Rebel. Ah. Okay. Yep. Interesting. So... Yeah, so, Sunday yeah. mornings sucked too. That was I wanted that extra just one extra day to sleep in. Yeah, I just wasn't having it, and so it was like the whole deal with it. Like if it would have been like a bunch of my good friends, and you could have come as you are, you know. But my, my mom had me, you know, deck. I wouldn't say decked out to the nines, but just like <laughs> clothes that I hated wearing. I couldn't be. I felt like I couldn't be myself. Sunday school was the worst. Um, oh, I was God, with. Yeah. Um, all of these kids that went to Wyzetta High School at the time or Wyzetta, I don't, not high school, Wyzetta. And I just, I didn't fit in with them. I didn't want to, they were really girly and they all had dolls that they brought in. And I was like, I don't know. I think I brought in Gak. I think I brought in like green Gak and was like pushing it to make the fart sounds. Oh my God. Like I just, from day one, I've just been different. Yeah, there's all these so, girls. First of all, bold choice bringing in your doll of like, I'm taking my doll into public. But yeah, all these no, they girls. they did. And their blankie. Oh, this one girl had her blankie and her doll. And I just would walk in there and be like, I'm done. And then you'd like <laughs> listen to a story and it just, I don't know. I love the thought of all of these super girly girls from this really ritzy part of this the metro here. And then little kid Annie shows up just hating wearing a dress and just check out my fake snot. It makes fart sounds. Yeah, I know. Like, just seven years old and just look, no, if he it just <laughs> like, that is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that helps understand. And then like you would have seen Ned Flanders on the Simpsons and you, you might not have had somebody like that in your life, but you got it. Like as a kid, it was enough of a broad, parody of that type of person that like oh our our well that's the other thing is the neighbor um a neighbor in our my uh, neighborhood growing up I'll just leave it at that was like super religious to the point where it was obnoxious and yeah it was totally Ned Flanders (laughs) so we I was kind of exposed to that and I think that turned me off because it was almost like pushing you like, I would come over there to drop something off, um, and they would, like, legit hand me a Bible oh, the worst. to bring home. And I was just like, and you can't, I don't know, I'm not, a, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to say, like, take this and, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Turn throw it, it back at and shove it. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I don't know. I, I didn't want anything to do with people telling me what to do and what to believe in and your Midwestern sensibilities would not allow you to make a scene, so you're just kind of like, oh, right, I'll yeah. take the thing and Yeah, walk I listen away. to what they say. Even, like, frickin' Jehovah's Witnesses, when they come to my door, I will listen to them for the first 
probably 10 seconds and then they'll pause and ask me you know what I think or whatever and I'll just say that sounds lovely but it's not for me goodbye Thanks so much but I have to here's what you do though I've learned very quickly to maximize the oh but you know I'm actually my daughter I just I have to yeah guys thanks so much I just I just put my daughter down to bed I could just I need to leave I just go like yeah. oh you know we're just feeding her dinner right now could you just go I thank you but like yeah. that's the and that's kind of one of the things I miss about Boston because like if that were to happen to some, some of the places where I live they'd be like who the fuck are you <laughs> like coming in you're like you think you're better know. than me huh? yeah yeah mm-hmm. and just slam the door and like it's so refreshing because they say what you want to say mm. like that's one thing I did enjoy it's like we were all thinking it like if your friend was an hour late to dinner or something and they'd be like, well, what the fuck was that about? Like you cut it. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it was just refreshing because they said what you were thinking. Yeah, we have a layer be- between like super rigid um, Japanese business culture of like a thousand apologies for, uh, you know, this, you know, Midwestern sensibilities in America. We are still very repressed. We're, you know, we're not. Canadians might think that we're wild and crazy, but we are still very repressed. And mm-hmm. it's, I never got the thing about Minnesotans saying, oh, well, that's different because I've never, I've never encountered that in my own life. But my dad is very nice, solid the earth, uh, humble, small town businessman where he just wants to do his piece, do his work, and then come home and have a nice uninterrupted life. Whereas my mom, I think, established the family crest as just eye-rolling of like, oh, God, here we go with this again. Like, cynicism is the driving factor with my family. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just the idea of like, oh, boy, here we go with the whole Jesus speech again. Okay, so <laughs> bring it on out. Nope, let's do this. Let's hear it. And then, okay, so I get it. Lots of religion, but how are you today? So there's mm-hmm. definitely an element of be respectful, be open to hearing what people have to say, but just, you know... That's a whole lot of stuff yeah, coming from somebody. Yeah. After a while, it starts to, I don't know. I find in life, if you don't talk about what's really bothering you, it's going to come out. You know, it's going to eventually crack you anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I remember there's a time we were all having brunch together, and you and I in particular were trading stories back and forth of dumb little office pranks we were playing on people and you were laughing so hard saying that God, we are just such a bunch of uptight nerds like that is all it was is like changing a keyboard shortcut or like turning somebody's monitor around oh, or like yeah. just like the extra USB thing on the mouse so it's like oh just oh, goes a little bit farther <laughs> yeah. and like yeah I flipped there oh man I remember I flipped um I think I made it so like the screen when they would start typing it the whole thing was upside down and like they couldn't figure out how to fix it yeah I love just stuff like that making the all of the desktop the actual background image and then taking all of those files and folders and dropping them into one specific folder so they have to like click on the background through every single one to figure out now where is my thing of but then I always got worried about like all right if I've got time to do this they're gonna think I'm not working hard enough and then I need to like (laughs) focus look busy get this done so when you were and this is taking a hard step back to kind of what we're talking about um but when you came back here to minnesota then kind of reconnect with your own family just proximally you know you share more Mm -hmm. space with your parents before they eventually moved out west did that in any way like did they kind of try to wrangle you into going to church like hey you know this sunday annie we're actually going to be heading over to uh is that a thing at all or is that kind of like no i'm kind of done with this now they well so my mom like dragged my dad and he just didn't even that's bother. right yeah your mom was like 
I don't know. He didn't even bother saying no. He just was like, okay, you know. Not worth the fight. Some of them, like, depending on where you go, they had a nice, um, what was it, for Christmas, like a candlelit um, um, session or I don't know. But so she would ask me if I, <laughs> I would want to go. I think that's called a church service. But <laughs> session it's a sesh, service. Bit of a potato, sesh. potato. Yeah. <laughs> All the pot smokers get in the circle for a session together, yeah. and then there's a session inside the church. And, right. Okay. Yeah. No, I get that there are nice things for the holidays for sure, and like the Easter and Christmas crowd. and Yeah. It's, but yeah, he sh- they would ask me, but I would just say no. And <laughs> <laughs> No. You can go now. Yeah. But it's funny because now my oldest son, well, both my children go to a um, a daycare that is in a church, and oh, they really? pray before lunch, and they go to Wednesday Chapel, and Bodie loves it, and he prays before dinner, and he makes us pray before dinner. Really? Yeah, and he does like. But here's the thing, is that like when I grew up, it was. Um, I don't know. Like you'd start like, "Dear Lord, thank you for this meal and the great blah 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 blah." This is <laughs> this his... is again how you feel about religion. Yeah. It's just coming out as, oh, <laughs> this is Charlie Brown's parents. Yeah. <laughs> and here is Bodie's. He said to me, "Mom, we're gonna do the superhero prayer," and so I had no idea what that meant. And I said, "Okay, Bodie, you lead it." And he goes, "Thank you, God, for giving us food." Thank you, God, for giving us food for the people we meet and the things that we eat. Thank you, God, for giving us food. <laughs> I was like, that's amazing. That is not, adorable. Yeah. And that is so great. And they all sit. And so I was like, see, if they, gosh, I got to stop hitting this. If they had that kind of thing, like, I don't know. I think it's all how, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, I, at family gatherings, I, we still sing, um, Oh, the Lord is good to me, mm-hmm. and so, and it's not even it's not of anybody's particular religiosity, but it's just it's a nice, um, like mantra, you know. It's yeah. just it's a it's a it's a ritual, and then we mm-hmm. always say the time to be happy is now, the place to be happy is here, the way to be happy is to make other people happy, mm-hmm. and that's there's no particular faith association yeah. with it, but it just it's just a reminder of. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. enjoy just be it. Kind. Yeah. Life is short. Enjoy it for while we're here. Mm-hmm. So to that end, what do you think happens when we die? Oh. I I don't know. And I spend you know, it's it's I gotta be honest, I think it's crossed my mind once or twice, like when you're running on a long run and it just like You've got time. Yeah, you've got time on your hands to talk about it. I think I think I believe in afterlife I'm not sure what that looks like but you know you hear about people who've seen the white light and you've heard about I don't know um, they've seen their eyes or their lives flash before their eyes and um, they felt warm or they've this or this and um I don't know if I don't know anyone personally who's gone through that, so I can't I can't um, tell you if that's right or not. But it seems like if so many people are saying that, part of it must be true. Like there's some if an experience is universal enough, there's got to be some element to it that's 
mm-hmm. that has some tenet in reality. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is that you phrase it as you believe in afterlife. Mm-hmm. You, not that you believe in an afterlife or the afterlife, just the phrasing of afterlife mm-hmm. was interesting to me that you don't know what it is. And the the terminology right and wrong too. I don't think that there necessarily is a right or wrong. And that's the whole point of this is that I don't know. I don't have any hard set notions about what works and what doesn't. All I know is I was raised kind of religious and I loved digging into those questions of what this stuff meant. Like Bart asking the Sunday school teacher like, well, what happens if your arm gets cut off and then you live for another 40 years as your arm reunited with you in heaven and the Sunday school teacher is so exasperated and he's just like, well, I, I just have questions. Like I identified with that so much. Like yes. if you're going to present all of this shit to kids, like be ready for weird questions. Mm-hmm. So have you, and I can just get directly to this where, where the other people have had to kind of dance around it. Have you ever been present for somebody passing away? No. And the reason I think about that so I haven't, but I've, I'm, this kind of goes off to another way that we don't have to touch on right now. Um, I like assisted suicide and the whole thing. Like I know that it's legal in Oregon, 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 Oregonian, the, Oregonian, Southern Washington state. Yeah. Somewhere there's, it's legal Anyway. So I, I believe that if someone's in so much pain and they are going to eventually pass away like why put them on a ventilator and they're a vegetable why just let them sit there and breathe for them for years and years and years yeah and so to that end um my grandfather who was a very very like shit or get off the pot like he was just <laughs> like he would tell you how he saw you. It like, sounds like there's some overlap between personalities there. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, he was 90, and he um, was very much so like, um, as I start to like get older and as I can't do this for myself, like I'm going to take my own life. And he went and he talked, told the doctor that. And he was like, so you need to get me a pill because I know it's out there. I know that something like that exists. You've given it to astronauts. You've given it to, like, people in certain jobs. I know it's real. Give me that so when I fall on the floor in my Arizona house by myself and I don't have a phone, I can take it so that I'm not laying on the floor and, like, my last memory is, like, in pain with my neck broken. And as morbid as that sounds, like, I get what he's saying. Like, that's just how I kind of – like, if you're so – in pain and i'm not saying if you're alone like you should definitely go get help i'm not saying like like this is not depression this is like you are 90 you are in pain you don't want to be stricken like bedridden for the rest of your life on doses of morphine like do something to help these people and if people want to end their own life i support that so anyway my grandfather didn't have that option and he ended up um taking he videotaped his voice um he laid out all of his bills that were needed to be paid he left money for those bills he went over to the hospital um or no and then he recorded his voice and he said unfortunately in today's world like we can't um end the way that we want to and went to the hospital had a gun flashed the lights like at the hospital and sh- and shot himself in the car outside the hospital. Are you fucking kidding me? No. 
And that to me, I think that to me, like when I heard that story, I was so hurt. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he must have been he must have felt alone and blah, blah, blah. But like, no, he had friends. He he was getting it was harder and harder for him to do the things that he loved every day. And he just that's how and it was horrible. But he that's what he chose. And I'm not supporting that by any means. But no, I'm, I guess what I'm saying. You're not advocating for somebody yes, to I'm, I understand. Yeah. Yes. But for him, he felt like there was nothing else he could do. Like if it's only going to be going downhill from here, if yes. his life is only going to become a reminder of what he lost. Yes. He doesn't want to continue. Like why chase that to the very bitter end? Right. Because And so side note, his brother um, had a stroke in their house and he did not have a will or like a um, do not resuscitate or anything. So they um, revived him and he ended up being a vegetable in a hospital. They The hospital took his house, took his like everything for medical bills and he just lays there on a bed and he's still alive today. It's been like 12 years. Are just, you fucking kidding me? And they're just breathing for him. And uh, my aunt has gone to visit him tw- a couple times, and she said that all he can do is blink. And oh I'm my like, God, what he's kind conscious. of? Yeah, it's like what kind of life is that? And he just watches TV and, bl- and like can blink. He cannot talk. And so to me, it's like if you think of I don't know. So like those Holy are two very shit, very different Eddie. scenarios. But I'm like, so that's kind of made me like, I don't know. I'm I'm not proud of what he did but i understand what he did and i understand when people make those decisions he did not hurt anybody else he did not i mean physically mentally i mean we're all sad at the choice that he made but like i get it and that's why i think that like legalizing your own choice and i'm not saying you know oh i I, my back is hurt and i'm just having a bad week like there's obviously something else you should do for you if you're like that but They've had – I've even read about how people um, who have can't terminal cancer are going to live in these states who allow that and how you can take something that will, like, just put you to sleep and then you'll – you just don't wake up. So where I was going with that is I've actually watched a couple of videos where they actually videotape people doing that. And um, you can find it online. I don't remember exactly where it is. You kind of have to go down a deep, dark path to well, find that. Some very particular Googling, I'm sure people yeah, can suss but out. It's, the... uh, it's um, uh, this same woman will go and you have to get a prescription, obviously. And you have to go through like months of counseling and training and not training, counseling. and To verify um, that this is not a desperate act, mm-hmm. that it's not an impulsive act, yes. that it's... I'm of sound mind. I know what I'm doing to my body. And this is, I'm, I can't believe I've known you this long and I've never heard this before because this is all intense. Like, how old were you when he did that? Um, oh gosh, I think I was in my early 20s. Oh, wow. My dad is very, um, so this was my mother's father but my dad is very like get let's cut to the chase here and so I remember um I was living in Boston and I'd come home for Thanksgiving and he picked me up from the airport and he was like hey how you doing so by the way uh your grandfather died he shot himself and uh, like I just started crying like I didn't know what to do and I got I was quiet in the car and I got home and I then I started really crying gave my mom a hug and then like just started thinking about it more and more. Dad, but the second you pick somebody up, like he you just couldn't make bam, small. like he yeah, okay. yeah. But 
So, and the interesting thing in those videos is that, so they have to record that, um, uh, so they go through all this counseling, and then at the end of that, they record the actual um, event to show that it was their own choice. So they ask them, like, your name is X. Do you wish to die? Yes. Like, they go through all this thing, and then they take it, and they take it, and, like, everybody will take it. They'll eat a little something, and they'll talk, and then they'll slowly fall asleep, and that's it. And I'm like, what? Okay. That is... I know it sounds morbid for me to watch that, but thinking about what my grand- grandfather felt he had to go through because he just was very, very uncomfortable and getting worse every day compared to, like, having that opportunity. I don't know. I, so, and I don't think that choosing your own death is going to make you not have an afterlife or have a worst afterlife. You know, like, you're not going to go into the quote-unquote hell and... I don't know. I don't think you're going to go and meet your maker and they're going to treat you any differently. It's there are several different layers of painful irony to all of this, but that's one that I've definitely cued in on in my own life, keyed in on in my own life that if you're so hurt and alone and feeling desperate and unloved that you're willing to take that dangerous act and hurt yourself that badly, what kind of a god would say you little shit, listen here. This was a gift and you've thrown it away and I'm going to punish you forever for doing mm-hmm. that. That just seems so counterintuitive to most of what I've seen of existence that if there is a loving God, that that thing that God would say, boy, that must have been tough. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Why don't you come over here and have a piece of cake? Mm-hmm. You know, that seems yes, hard. cake. I mean, that's funfetti cake. Just, or... Yeah. <laughs> Carbs and starches where they're never going to hurt you. But the the bullshit irony of your grandfather not wanting to end up like that and that's exactly what they do like Mm -hmm. he had everything squared away he was doing this so that it would not happen Mm -hmm. and he's forced to take this violent painful dangerous option that i was before knowing the end of how this all works out i was going to interject like an asshole and say boy that sure is risky because you see it plenty of times with self-inflicted gunshot wounds. They're not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, 12 years later, he's still theoretically right. conscious. Right. Which, and they've taken his house. They've taken his assets. To what end? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Because there's this bureaucratic system set up to facilitate the movement of care and billing and move this back and forth. Yes. Like, it's not. So that's, it's absolutely fascinating to me that this is a this that this is an issue with you that you take particular note of and i in no way mean to (laughs) to to shame you or make you feel uncomfortable in any way but i just find that very surprising that you've actually sought out these videos and watched Mm -hmm. them because of your experience with it because i've definitely gone down my rabbit holes of like all right let's see some weird shit on the internet Mm -hmm. let's like um, morbid curiosity yeah. I want to know but as those aren't the, the titillating element of most horrible things on the internet that wouldn't theoretically be possible in those videos like mm-hmm. you were seeking those out for understanding mm-hmm. for... yeah it all started with me googling like um states that you can safely like uh, I f- they call it like I'm gonna botch it but it was something like that you can self-euthanize or something like that yeah self-euthanize or 
um, assisted suicide, something a lot easier than that right. on your tongue. But it was something like that. And then it got it. I started to hone in on this one um, company and then they that like I started to read about it and then they just had all these videos that were all like posted online and so I was like it just kind of fell into me watching one I honestly didn't really even know what I was watching until the person like fell asleep I was like wait this is real and then I was like you know that <laughs> really wasn't that like but I don't know. Well, that's I mean, that's kind of the point is that mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. And that's that's the whole point of the reason I ask you to come down here and talk to me. And as you down, folks, record. I'm recording in my basement like a creep. Um, it's this is universal. This happens to everybody, no matter how fit you try to be, no matter how well you try to eat. I'm on a smoothie kick lately. All I do is just eat kale and bananas and it's just it's horrible. But no matter what, you're dead, too. Yeah. That's what happens to everybody. Does it have to be a clinging fear of, oh, God, what's going to happen next? Or, like, can you just go to sleep peacefully? Yeah. And- well, and I don't think – I think that we are all very much a creature of our environment. So right now, you know what's happening to all of us. We went through, um, I don't know, engagement parties. Then you go to weddings, and then you have babies, and then – you have parties and, and birthday parties and um, just these milestones. But one that will be coming for all of us is the loss of our of our parents. I have not considered that. And the loss of our spouses or friends. And <sighs> holy shit, any uh, gold star guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you think about it, it just isn't. It's not in our wheelhouse right now to worry about. And if someone does pass right now, it's holy crap and I can't imagine that and blah 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 but it isn't part of our where we are in our life we're all in our mid-30s um and we don't really need to worry about it yes our grandparents maybe are are have passed or but that I don't know I feel like that something about your parents feels a little bit more interesting than than your grandparents it feels like it hits more and granted I I grew up with not very close to my grandparents you know I saw them on holidays and birthdays and everything so maybe you know that's I'm speaking of personal experience but I don't know I just don't think that point in our life is hit yet and so when it does hit I think this is going to be a much bigger subject yeah well, holy shit, I would <laughs> I used to make the joke of like, oh, man, all of our friends are married now. I miss getting loaded and having cake and coffee at midnight. Like, that was so yeah. great of like, well, it's 1130 on a Saturday night. Let's get some coffee and some cake and let's just keep going. Like, <laughs> I miss that. But now it's like, well, yeah, but everybody's yeah. having birthday parties so I get to have cake on a Saturday morning. So yeah, that's kind of a nice trade-off. Right? I'll take that. But you're totally – I talked about this podcast to my in-laws, and they said – we're a little closer to that, so we don't really necessarily think that's, like, as intriguing of a subject. But, like, that's definitely got to be a problem where, like, well, I mean, yeah, he was 70. You got to go sometime. Mm-hmm. Like, we're we're in such denial of it. Being... Yeah, we, it's, it's just it's something that I don't think we've um, – I don't know. We all see the posts – um, on social media that will say something about, you know, you work so much and you're going to look back one day and think like, oh, I worked, I am I regretted working, I, I wish I would have done this or this or this. And um, 
I think we all kind of just look at that, think about it for two seconds, and then go about our days. Mm-hmm. But I think as we get older and we start to see this stuff happening, we're going to all really, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it's not important. I wouldn't say important. It's just, it's not impacting us right now right. in our lives right now. And I think we have to be in it to worry about it. Well, we were definitely we preceded the quarter life crisis that was something that people started joking about after we'd already passed that mark Mm -hmm. but we're gonna have some real weird midlife crises it's gonna Mm -hmm. like i don't see our friends getting sports cars and like tattoos and getting all jacked at the gym i see weird shit happening of like ayahuasca trips down in south america and like it's going to get weird but you're right that we're just we're not being sold this idea of by the way the clock's ticking Mm -hmm. and i've tried since I've had time for placing this episode chronologically, I got laid off from my job in October, and I've had a lot of time, obviously, to unpack A, what I thought what I was doing, whether or not that was important, B, how I'm handling my day-to-day life, and then C, how I'm moving forward from this, and um, not coincidentally have started going to therapy to talk to somebody about general anxiety and depression in my life as a result of this, but... I'm trying to live a more authentic life that is at least in tune with who I feel I am. And uh, chewing over these ideas, my wife asked, you know, if we were retired tomorrow, like we win the lottery, we don't have to work anymore, and didn't have to do anything, and, you know, our daughter is taken care of, we don't have to worry about anything, what would you do with your time? And I realized pretty much this it's not a lot different it would be you know a little more intentional going to museums or like Mm -hmm. I I do I'm hoity-toity and up my own ass enough that I want to spend time at art galleries and like I love going to the movies and seeing all the movies and theaters like I do a little more of that but like I'm not sitting here pining away for traveling like I want to go see Southeast Asia and goes like there are places I'd like to go before I die but it's not like oh but I just need to you know I'm trying to appreciate the life that I have and just live it and just not act as though, right, yeah, but I'll be happy like 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, future John's going to deal with that. Like, I'm just going to live this now and just kind of, yeah, if something's bullshit, I, I kind of don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had people that are, as I've come to realize that they're kind of draining or toxic uh, influences, it's, it's not that it's just like, hey, fuck you, get out of here. I don't want you more. It's more like, all right. I don't think this is as beneficial as I think it is or that I'm getting what I need to out of it that I'm putting into it. And if I draw back from it, it feels cruel because I'm a Midwestern person and that's the sensibility. But, like, I'm trying to live without the guilt of appeasing everybody, you know. So if I don't think somebody is an awesome presence in my life, I'm not going to have to keep up the, like, huh, but check in with them. Like, well, no, yeah. let them go be shitty on their own. Don't right. <laughs> Don't feel like you've right. got to take care of somebody, which is tough, but – it doesn't feel good to think that, but it doesn't feel good to drag baggage along too. Does mm-hmm. that, does any of that ring true for you? Like- uh, absolutely. Yes. I, <laughs> um, and I feel like that's also like when I think of, um, 
gosh, even my dad, I feel like just your level of bullshit that you'll put up with slowly diminishes. Yeah. Like, yeah. and you see old people and they're like, quote unquote, grouchy or whatever. I think they just hit that point where they just don't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. So like what you're expressing, you know, of like, instead of trying to make a relationship work or trying to, you know, you know what you know and you know the hobbies that are what you like and what you don't like and why mess around with the things that you don't care about. Like, why keep entertaining that just because you feel bad about it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I, I agree. I'm the same way I used to feel like, not that you can't be a kind person, but I don't no. go around trying to make happy hours with a bunch of friends that, um, or work friends or whatever. It just, it doesn't, that stuff doesn't matter to me. Like, the things that matter to me right now are I, my family, my health, you know. So yeah, and we really haven't unpacked how I wanted to kind of tackle what everything that transpired around the marathon and what that means to the machine that you keep going here. But it was really, and I'd like to get to that if we've got time. But I my I have a neighbor around the corner that I would see walking his dog, and as uh, we'd take our daughter out in her stroller, he would mention he's like, yeah, you know, this came up in conversation that uh, yeah, a lot of men as they get older they kind of get their social interaction time from their family. They don't necessarily. And I don't think he was, like, pushing me away. I think it was just he was letting me in on the secret of, like, oh, hey, young guy moving to the suburbs now. Like, you have a family. Like, don't worry about the fact that some of your friends are going away. Yeah. You know, that just kind of happens. He's like, yeah, it's just kind of – and learning to deal with that solitude has been good. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. I like... Yes. And it's not that they're necessarily, go- necessarily going away. I think they're j- – I wouldn't even say pausing. They're just – you're – you're dividing into two different two different ways right now and you'll come back and meet you know and if you yeah. don't then you don't but i feel very much that you know there's no bad blood probably between you and others that have you're just both with your families yeah like my college roommate hi phil that he <laughs> no matter where i pick up with him nothing's changed like yeah. in the yeah, last 10 years yeah don't you love that yeah he's just and, he's the same great person and i actually recently saw a little drawing online of like line graphs of how your relationships with people go over the course of your life and if i can find it i'll post it on the instagram page but it's really just this charming like it's you and your parents and it starts off immediately close and then as you get to teenage years it spreads out and as you both get older it comes back together again towards the end as you take care of them and then your college friends it's like opposite distant 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 super close super close distant a little closer again in your 40s Mm -hmm. and then super distant like all of these examples of people that happens with like romantic partners it was just a really cool thing i should try to find again but how and i want to be mindful of your time too it's a sunday night and you've got family and stuff is everything cool yeah i'm good okay so one thing i've always been fascinated with running in particular is how you feel about the machinery of your body and the finite nature of it like you're older now than you've ever been mm-hmm. <laughs> like does that is that anything that eats away at you do you have any kind of existential feeling about that or is that just like you like running for the fact of running you enjoy it you get pleasure from the act of doing it it's a bit of a meditative act for Mm -hmm. you it sounds like how do you feel about the physical nature of the body do you think that there's something eternal beyond this like do you think you're an eternal being experiencing this that's what somebody asked me recently and i'm kind of asking everybody that lately Mm mm-hmm 
said another way, like, is there a spirit or something yeah. within me? <sighs> cool menthol cigarettes. They are the greatest. Inhale. I, <clears throat> gosh, you know, I, so running is very much physical and spiritual. Um, probably more, it was more physical, staying in shape, staying healthy, staying happy. Like for me, it was very much all of those. But yeah, you're right. Cause I, f- I definitely feel like there is like a spiritual or a spirit inside of us that, and I think, you know, like I've heard people say, um, if they pass or whatever and come to, like they kind of look down and it's like, that must, what we would define as a spirit or something looking down on you. I don't know, but I feel like I need to read, um, this, uh, this note that I found because I feel like it hits very much to the afterlife. And um, it, it kind of explains that you you can't, you, well, let me just read it. And yeah, we can talk about it. So um, it's about two, uh, two babies in their mother's womb. The first baby asked the other, do you believe in the life after delivery? The second baby replied, why of course? Why, of course, there has to be something after the delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what will be after. Nonsense, says the first. There's no life after delivery. What would that life be? I don't know, but there has to be more light than here. Maybe we will walk with our legs and eat with our mouths. The doubting baby laughed. This is absurd. Walking is impossible and eating with our mouths ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition. Life after delivery is to be excluded. The umbilical umbilical cord is too short. The second baby held his ground. I think there is something and maybe it's different than in here. The first baby replied, no one has ever come back from here. Delivery is the end of life. And then after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and anxiety and it takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the twin, but certainly we will see mother and she will take care of us. Mother, said the baby. The first baby, you believe in mother? What is she now? Where is she now? The second baby calmly and patiently tried to explain. She is all around us. It is in her that we we live. Without her, there would there would be no world. Ha, I don't (laughs) I don't see her. So it is only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the other replied, sometimes when you're in silence, you can hear and you can perceive her. And I believe that there is a reality after delivery, and we are here to prepare ourselves for the reality when it comes. I love that. <laughs> but so to me, it's like, I guess where I was going with is that, like, think about it. You can't even grasp. I, I don't know. I just think that there's probably some kind of afterlife that none of us could even fathom and that it's just like so absurd and so I don't know like maybe we're here for like what if this was this is a turn but like (laughs) what if 
what if this is our life but like after is something completely different and better and what we were really meant to be yeah i've alternately heard that as like all right you die everything goes black and then you hear congratulations the demo mode is over yeah. you're now free that's to... very black mirror yeah really and uh, i love black mirror but i can't i honestly am like i don't want to watch it i'm just gonna get bummed out and feel yeah. worse about it my makes me like yeah makes me I heard I've heard a very simplified version of what you read, like a super condensed version of that before, and thought like, yeah, it's cute, stripe, but like, no, that genuine, like, that is the first time I've heard that in a long time, and thought like, well, yeah, that's a really nice encapsulation of what, uh, how we try to perceive the world and how it relates to grander things. Like, we don't. It's easy to stand on the shoulders of giants and talk about what we used to know and make proclamations about science, but to think about what we knew of the world and thinking the sun moved around the earth mm-hmm. and that, you know, this is all that there is and just the vastness of space and how huge everything is. What is the point of all of this if it's mm-hmm. just filled with nothing? And right. the nothing that we can see, there's like math that shows that there's additional nothing, but we can't see it and observe it, but we know it's there as dark matter, but it's like there are so many mysteries and to just assume that it's going to be one thing and just that's it i've got the answer and it's going to be this that just mm-hmm. seems so arrogant and so boringly short-sighted to mm-hmm. say don't you want to ask more questions like that's yes. this is the next grand step of we're all going to do this at some point and nobody's come back mm-hmm. um yeah it's yeah it's it's heavy stuff but it's why i loved having my our friend brian on talking about his experience of doing that and what it was like for him and like you it's how do you dismiss somebody's subjective experience when all you have to base it on is your own Mm -hmm. you know my wife had a bad dream about something and we were kind of weighing like does this mean anything because it was so literal but does it just reflect your brain kind of going through the motions of like well i think this is what happens in this scenario and deal with this and deal with this or is it just you're genuinely worried about something and this is your body trying to like tell you this issue you know like how do you even i'm swallowing just tons right now (laughs) how do you even like get through that like how do you Mm -hmm. figure your own experience and that's why and what your grandpa would did was in a lot of ways really brave Mm -hmm. but it's just so taboo for so many people that you can't ever broach the subject because so many people just seem to view it as an affront to a gift that we have that for a lot of people doesn't end awesomely right yeah good times but yeah it's 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 interesting how it's not i don't know we, I don't want to say we don't talk about it enough, but it's it's like it's one of those things that people just don't even go there unless something has happened where something has passed away, or you know, even like explaining that to children in our lives right now. Um, for the sake, we'll call it a goldfish. You know, mm-hmm. people will be like, "Oh, we returned it to the store." Like you can't even talk about what death. I don't know. It's very interesting how. Um, death is kind of um, not even explained to children until a, a certain age. It's well, the- some people do. I mean, it just kind of depends on how you deal with children, too. That, yeah. like, it's a scary thought. And 
I kind of have to watch. I don't ever let my daughter watch TV without watching with her, so I know that it's like not traumatizing or inappropriate, but like seeing Moana's grandmother die in the movie, mm. like does she? No, that's a good point. I haven't thought about that. The, is, yeah, you know? I haven't thought about the Disney movies like Bambi and such. Finding Lion Nemo, King. the beginning, yeah. yeah, like all of those are about losing a parent because Walt Disney lost a parent as a child and oh. wanted kids to feel okay with having a yeah. parent. No, that's very true. I didn't even think about that. But it's, like you said, we're all going to be entering that, uh, vainly talking about all, we're all, our friends, our social circle is going to be entering that phase of life where that happens. And I saw my um, my grandmother pass away on my dad's side who, I mean, she was past 90 and seeing my dad's siblings, some of them really handling it like it was the end of all that is. Like, well, I mean, she was 90. You know, mm-hmm. you knew this. She was actively wanting to die. She had asked her hospice nurses, why haven't I died yet? There was yeah. nothing wrong with her. She was just slowly dying. Right. But I think to lose parents is such a foundation, such a building block of your life mm-hmm. and your understanding of what the world is. They're like deities. You know, they're larger-than-life figures that I can't imagine what it does to people. Like, it's having known people who have lost their parents early and then people who've lost them later on, the way it seems to change people. Like, you can either, like, not talk about it at all or some people are very cavalier and open about it. Like, we have mutual friends who I'd like to talk to them about it, but I know that it requires absolute surgical precision going into the conversation and, like, kid gloves of, like, can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. Is this a thing at all? But... It's it's heavy stuff, and then we're only going to get more into the weeds about it. Mm-hmm. But that's why I want to have people on to talk about it. Oh, I think that's awesome. I can't wait to hear what other people just, you know, have things that will come out of the woodwork. You didn't even know about some people. Uh, I, point in case, Annie, you told me amazing things I've never known about you that will foundationally impact how I think about how you handle the world in a positive way. <laughs> She's but, at home Googling how people die watching them. Check this shit out. This lady's going to take this pill. Like, kids, get in here. It's going to get weird. You want to see a dead body? No, it's... <laughs> so before we wrap up, one, anything you want to plug or, like, suggest people do or say, you know, see a therapist or go get more exercise or, like, <laughs> butter in your coffee. That's a thing. Do it. Yeah. Like, No, you know, I've never thought about that. No pressure. I, I just guess, like to put it out there if no. there's a thing you're into lately. It's like, you know, I've really found meditating helpful. Yeah. No, I think it's just, you know, with everything going on in the world and bullying and, like, how that's leading to more deaths and with with teenagers and just, like, be kind to everybody because you don't know what their day has been. You don't know what they just came out of. You don't know what they've just seen, done, experienced, what their life is like at home that is a mantra in this household somebody who is having a bad day and treating you poorly you have no idea what they're dealing with right give them the benefit of the doubt yep um you ever have a ghost story a ghost story yeah you know i i my family has shared some with me, but they all end up to be huge jokes at the end, and they'll oh. get me going for like. <laughs> we will spare the audience that pain. Yeah. Okay. They'll go on for like ten, and they're really good in like every detail. And then it's like, and the body of Mister Johnson is in the coffee you're drinking right now, and then everyone will laugh. Oh and then, God. Yeah. Okay. How about so, you? Um. <clears throat> 
the house that I grew up in, my family claims it was haunted. I never saw or dealt with anything there. My brother said he saw something once. My mom would hear footsteps in the house when everybody was gone. It was a hundred-year-old, um, like a Victorian house in a small town that um, I got just always freaked out by the basement just because it was terrifying and it was a basement and I was a kid so I don't think there's anything down there but you know everybody being out of the house my mom was alone in the house and she would hear footsteps above her in the house so again I never saw anything um there was a time and I actually wrote about this on a blog I used to have too that I'll see if I can find it and link it that when Evie and I were looking for homes in the Twin Cities metro we found a particular house that we were going to visit that I'm not a spiritual person per se, but I walked in there and it just felt like I was drowning. It just, I've never felt so bad in a place. I, it was just, it was getting a low grade shock the entire time I was in there and I couldn't catch my breath. And it was just like, it was like carbon monoxide poisoning walking around. Everybody else was fine. Wife was fine. Both the realtors were fine. Nobody had an issue. People were living in the house, but I just felt like we have to get the fuck out of here now. I am not setting foot in this house again. And she was gung-ho. She's like, no, I think it's a great place. It's got a great location. So I'm like, no, absolutely not. I will not set foot in that house again. I don't know what that was. It could have just been me having a, a small stroke. It could have been, you know, power lines that weren't properly insulated coming into the house. But I just, I have never felt like that walking into a building. Mm. Thankfully, that's been the only thing that I can point to in my life that's given me the heebie-jeebies like that. I'm always wanting to read spooky stories at night, and then I get all spooked out and don't want to. But then, like, I don't believe in any of that shit. But I had an experience where I had a bad thing happen. So, like, I let myself get wound up and, like, what if it's real? But I don't think it is. So I've had friends share honestly goodness ghost stories and i just want to ask so many questions about like well so what did you think in that moment well they thought get the fuck out go run go leave but unless you ask somebody you're never gonna know yeah no i i can't say i've had any type of ghost story i've had really weird like where you'd believe there must be a guardian angel Mm. you know i don't know if you believe in the guardian angel or like someone kind of pulling you out of something i've just had like near misses on a lot of things where like I should either be in jail or like <laughs> like in your grandfather a, told you run from the cops yes, coming to this party yes like or I, I don't know just like really weird coincidences where like I could have gotten hurt or in a lot of trouble but luckily I like just missed it and it's like I just wonder I don't know it part of me wonders, like, if someone up there is helping or all around you is helping, like, kind of, I don't know how they would help you, but, like, maybe help somehow. Okay. Well, do you want to come back on and uh, dig into that? Like, I like to have everybody on the first time to just talk about stuff off the cuff, not think about it at all. Do you want to look into it and come back on and talk about it? Sure. We, with the heavy pause, she says, "Sure." No, sure. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking about making another fart sound, but I. Do you want to make one more before we go? Can I, oh, yes. <laughs> but wait, nope. Sorry, that was really bad. That <laughs> that, that sounded so wet and so gross. 
That was a very uptight fart. How about... <laughs> Perfect. Best way to end.